I'd like to give a big shout out to the Hoodoo Gurus who have given us permission to use part of their song, That's My Team, as our new podcast episode intro for all of their music. And whenever they are going live or performing live, head to their Facebook and their Instagram. The links will be in the description below. Be sure to give them a like and a follow as well on Facebook and Instagram. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. And we're actually joined by current... Um, Canberra Raiders assistant coach and on-field trainer, you could say. He also played for the Raiders and the Storm. His name is Brett White. Cheers for joining me here today, mate. Mate, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's good to be on and, and for a bit of a chat. Yeah, it should be good. Um, So, obviously, let's start with the first question I always ask. Your debut is for the Melbourne Storm. What was it like, the week leading up to it and the game and all that? Um, yeah, pretty pretty amazing. It's always a special special week uh, leading into that. I, I actually don't remember too much of it. I know it would have burned up a lot of energy through the week. Uh, probably played the game a thousand times over, and <laughs> and um, yeah, but I I do remember scoring a try, and I didn't get many of those oh, wow. throughout my career. So, so it was a high on your debut it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't get get many of those in my career i wasn't very good at scoring tries so um That's i do remember that part club isn't it i'm from what i've been told as in to get your first try in the nrl on your debut was a pretty exclusive sort of thing yeah well, it was pretty funny because i got um a try on debut and i got a try in the last game i played for melbourne oh wow and then i come to the raiders and 69 games for the raiders and i didn't get one so oh. which is pretty embarrassing i can't believe i just told you that but um <laughs> Yeah, you, you do remember those. I think I remember every try so because there wasn't many of them. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. But hey, at least you scored. Um, yeah. Speaking of obviously tangenting off real quick, uh, a mate of mine I went to school with scored five tries last night, Matt Ikevalu. What are your thoughts on his efforts last night coming in as 18th man and then getting five meat pies? How good's that? Like, what a what a wonderful night for him to turn up there not expecting to play. And hey. that's, you know, we, we always tell these young kids, you know, Always prepare that you're going to be, you know, well, I mean, rugby he, he was going to be fun. So, but yeah, so yeah, yeah, mate, it's one of those things that, you know, for these young blokes, especially now that without uh, having um, the the lower grades playing, that mm. they got to be ready because rugby league's something that, yeah, you know, it can turn within a matter of weeks. You know, everything can turn around, and all of a sudden you you become an NRL player. So for him last night, that was fantastic to see that. Yeah, you know, you always prepare to play, and you know, if you're prepared, you go out and score five tries, and what a wonderful month. But what about Paul, the guy, the other one? Ryan Hall, like, hey. Hall. Ryan Hall, like, oh. you got to feel for him. Honestly, it scored meat pies for days for Leeds, comes over to the NRL, not a single try yet, and then the one he almost scores at the pretty much the last minute, it gets disallowed. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Honestly, though, but on a, credit to the Roosters, especially given, I was looking at the stats last night, and it was level, as in 50-50 um, possession, uh, even like 72 um, sorry, seventy-two percent completion rate on one side and seventy-three percent the other side, even level with the amount of errors, and yet the scoreline definitely didn't represent the the on paper. Yeah, it just goes to show the the Roosters what a what a class act, you know, losing losing friend early, um, yeah, and still got the job done, and, and to that extent, with all those stats still the same, um, yeah, what a credit to them. Yeah, exactly. And sorry, one more quick bit about the Roosters. Everyone's talking, you know, Matt will be dropped for next week because, you know, Brett Morris may be back. I personally think with the Roosters and how well they're going, they've got time, you know, a week or two to, you know, doesn't matter if they lose the next two games. Hopefully for you guys next week they lose. But uh, but um, I, I reckon they could put Matt 
on the left wing and put Ryan Hall in the um, lock because in my opinion I've been watching Ryan play and he's built I've met him he's built like a lock and plays very similar to a lock I think he'd be good in lock especially with the missing Victor Radley and Sam Burrells he'd fill in that spot I reckon put Matt on the wing at least for next week and see how that goes what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, with Hall in the middle, you're right, he is a big big guy and he's got great feet. So with the game the way it's going, with fatigue in the game, that having a guy with good feet in around the middle could um, yeah, can produce something. So, And that way but, it gives both of them game time, you know? It certainly does, but um, yeah, let's hope Trent Robinson goes a totally different way and just rests <laughs> them all and brings a whole new yep. lot of guys in. And <laughs> yep. you know, some of those guys that I'm sure are in his squad that haven't played yet, maybe maybe you could think about bringing those guys in and um, giving them a go next week. Especially for next week, yep, especially for you guys. Um, now, tangenting back into the questions for you, um, you played some representative footy, such as State of Origin for New South Wales. You also played for Australia and Ireland. Pardon me. First of all, what was it like playing State of Origin? and the intensity difference, and then what was it also like playing international rep footy? Mate, it's, it's yeah, Origin's everything that it's, it's spoken about. It's um, yeah, a wonderful honour, but it's, a, um, yeah, it's just a, a, an amazing battle in through the middle that, um, yeah, you got your, the best players in the world playing the best players in the world, and, um, yeah, it was such an honour to do that, something, I'd, yeah, every kid dreams of oh, yeah. um I, I remember my first hit up um of origin i actually uh started in on my debut and um a, a early carry i had uh, dallas johnson my, <laughs> my former teammate at the time uh, absolutely cut me in half tony carroll over the top oh, straight across a stiff arm straight across the bridge of the nose and i remember laying there just going wow this is what yeah, everyone talks about it, origin. This is it, and I'm in the middle of it. And where am I going to hide for the next 79 minutes? So yeah. <laughs> that was. Uh, I remember thinking that at the time, but no, it was a. Yeah, unfortunately, never got to win a, a series or anything like that. Um, but you do, but go, you do go down in state of origin history with that dust up with Steve Price. Talk us, to, talk to us about that. Yeah, well, it, it's one of those things that. Um, yeah, it, just, it gets to you like the intensity of the game and all that. Yeah, yeah, it happened, and I was, I was probably only by luck. I ended up on the better side of it. Um, yeah, it was probably a fifty-fifty. What what happens in a yeah on field when two big guys go at it? Um, and I, I was I was probably got the luckier side of it. But um, yeah, it did go down in history, and it's um, yeah something I get asked about quite regularly. It's, I, I, um, I thought I'd only just mention it, not actually like fixate on it, because like you do, you get talk, you get asked about it all the time. Sorry, continue. No, no, it's, it's made. It's one of those things that happen and um, part of history. And, and um, yeah, there was no hard feelings and, and play on from there. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I'm a firm believer in, um, honestly, your generation more or less was the last of the old breed, in my opinion. You know, like James Graham is probably the very last of the, you know, Cameron Smith or them in the sense of if you guys are going to have a dust up, do it early in the in the game or at the very end, you know, and then, you know, squash the beef sort of thing and then get on with the game. Like, Billy Harrigan would always let him, you know, dust it up sort of thing and then, right, you're done, continue the game, you know? Yeah, yeah. And in a funny way, like, and I certainly don't condone violence oh, in God, any no. way or, no, no. or punching or anything, but it actually kept the game a lot cleaner. Yeah, it would, um, because, because you've got all that stuff out in the open before it's even had a chance to manifest, you know? But the other thing is also there's there's... Yeah, when I was playing, there were some guys there you certainly wouldn't want to um, get on the wrong side of. So, you, you know, you wouldn't want to tread on their hand or do anything like that because of what may happen where, 
you know, I think these days there is a, a lot more um, you know, stuff that goes on where guys know they can get away with it. But yeah, you know, I haven't got an answer. And I'm not saying we go back go back the you know to the old days, but or condone you know violence or, or anything like that. But um, I certainly thought it had had its place in that time of the game and it did keep it a lot cleaner. Especially with Mick Crocker at the helm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's exactly right. No one's ever going to play against Mick Crocker and, and try anything, you know, silly no, or, or grubby. Well, or, I mean, you played uh, with and ball. against him, played with him at Melbourne and against him in State of Origin. So you were on both the good end and you could say the receiving end. Much before when I uh, played with him. He's uh, one of those guys you enjoy playing with. Yeah, I mean, he's a top bloke. I met him at Legends of League last year. He's a wonderful guy. Um, speaking of your time at Melbourne, perfect segue by the way sorry my brain is just on fire right now sorry um speaking of your time at melbourne you played in four grand finals in a row losing one winning one losing one then winning one what was that like first of all the roller coaster of making it four years in a row in itself is an achievement and then secondly winning winning two from the four but in such a haphazard win one sorry lose one win lose and then win Sort of thing. Yeah, well, it was funny. In 2006, um, it I was, was at it that was... game, by the way. Sorry, I, I go for the. Oh, nice. Race, so I was at the game. <laughs> we, um, yeah, we probably went. Looking back at it now, we went into that game and it was like, yeah, went into it with our eyes the size of dinner plates. It was like, oh wow, we've we've made a grand final. How how cool is this? And and um, yeah, it, it was a this yeah no one had opened a few guys it was it was and um you know we come up against a very experienced side mm. it was Webby, you know, like, seven deceiver carol yeah Lockyer, all of them sorry continue they, these guys were there to get the job done and, and that's what they done so losing that um taught us a lot about you know playing in big games as, as a young side so obviously come come around 12 months later 2007 and and we were now there. We'd had the experience. We were there to get the job done. And, they say and, you got to uh, lose one to win one. You do. It, it gives you it gives you um, a different mentality the next year. That you know this hunger and this yeah you know, you're there there to like I said you're do, there to win. do do the job get it done and um, no doubt uh, 2007 Manly probably had the same same thing coming into that game as yep. as they you know. Um, Eyes the size of dinner plates, and oh wow, the grand final, and you know they get beat in two thousand seven, and no doubt two thousand eight, which they did. They, they were there to win, and, and, and they yeah. were hungry, and they were, and it showed. They were they were unstoppable um, that year. And so, then you come back the next year in 09 and then win that. Yeah, well, uh, after you know the the embarrassment of two thousand eight with the um, yeah the, the toweling yep. uh, forty to nil, it was you know. We want to we want to fix this again. So oh, sure. um, that was our mentality. You know, Two thousand and um, nine was that two thousand nine? Yep. Yeah. So um, it's funny how it works, but you do you certainly do learn a lot from uh, losing it. It's not nice losing, mm. but um, it, it does give you that burning burning desire um, the following year to, to um, go one better. Yeah, I was, I was yeah, fair enough. And I was talking to Ben Cross yesterday for an episode, who was in a few of those grand finals with you. Um, obviously record has shown obviously unfortunately shit went pear-shaped for melbourne regarding those grand finals um but i i am a even though i'm a broncos fan i love league first and the broncos second i'm an adamant that i will always say that even though melbourne were over the cap at the time they were the better team on the day so you cannot award the grand final trophy or you know the win to the opposite team hence why there had to be an asterisk because you guys were the better team on the day do you 
as a player from those te- um, from those games and those teams personally feel um like regardless that you won sort of thing because ben definitely believes you know that you guys won on the day which you did it's just unfortunate that the cap sort of thing happened but yeah does that make sense yeah, without doubt, we uh, you know we know how tr- hard we train. You know, we, we played all the games throughout the year, um, and and yeah, the, the the cap thing does come into it. But you got to take into account, uh, and I, I don't condone what happened down there with mm-hmm. that. But um, yeah, it wasn't. We weren't going out, and the club wasn't going out and buying the best players available. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, I think in my whole time down there, there was only two um, NRL players got brought in. Um, Anthony Quinn was one yep. uh, as a winger, um, and the other one was Mick Crocker. And I don't yep. think any other club wanted him. And he came <laughs> down <laughs> here no for offense, a, a probably second time. Um, probably the other one was was Brett Finch, who had been sacked, and again was probably on the un, unwanted list at the time. Um, so it wasn't as if we were going out and, and buying superstars, like Lockie or anyone like that. Yeah, the the. the, the Cap was, you know, um, the issues down there, the, the wrongs that were done were to try and keep keep those players. So I know everyone's got a different opinion on it. Um, as a player, you know, we we you were just we going your week worked, by week. Yeah, we worked so hard, um, and and yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's yeah, it is, it is what, it, what is. it is. Yeah, like I mean, as I was saying, like emotionally, they can't take the win away from you in my opinion, because you guys were going week by week winning and actually win the grand final. It's just obviously statistically they can, but I believe as much as you do, you guys won, you guys are the grand finalists for those years regardless, you know. Um, but enough of that. Let's go into some fun questions. Do you have? Uh, did you have any pre-game routine or sp- specific superstitions? And if not, who had the weirdest superstitions? Um, yeah, I, I did have some weird ones. I, I, I wouldn't say superstitions. I was, I was big on routine. So, I, yeah, a certain certain um, time in, in regards to the countdown clock and how far out from the game I, I'd done certain things. Uh, um, I used to do – I used to put talcum powder. I, I'd get my ankle strapped mm. and then put talcum powder over the top of it. Okay. Um, Why not and before it, it, it gets strapped? <laughs> No, well, the, the talcum powder, and it, it's an old thing. Mark Gaznia's dad was a strapper. Yeah, um, Reg Gaznia, yeah. No, John. John, oh, John is Reg's brother. Dad's yeah, brother. so John John Gaznia was a, a strapper in the um, lower grades at the Dragons when I was there. And that was his thing, that he'd always strap the boy's ankle, then put talcum powder on it. And the idea of talcum powder is that the, the edge of the strapping doesn't roll up ah. when you put your socks on. Yep. So it doesn't roll up and it stays firm, and um, so he used to do all that all the time. And he was a—he's such a wonderful, you know, guy. He was uh, so one of those great um, backroom sort of guys that are the heart and soul in behind a team. Um, and that was sort of my thing that I always—I I just kept that going because you know I, I, it, I, it I loved John tested. so much, and and it was sort of like I carried on what he he done. And yeah. uh, so I know as I went down the track, and you know, later on that. Um, yeah, you know, when I went to other clubs, that some of the boys had, I'd get some strange looks, and yeah, you know, I'd explain it. It stops it, the strapping tape rolling up, but um, yeah, they just thought I was, I was all a bit strange doing it. But that was my little, I guess, a routine. I, I was big on the, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, three any, hours before, yeah, you know, three hours before, before or anything, or a good night's uh, sleep the night before. No, just a routine, you know. I'd take my dogs for a walk up to up to the shops at yeah you know, four hours before game time, and I had to walk in it. Yeah, right on time, and yep. um, 
those sort of things. But I, I was big on routine, um, and it just kept me in order for for the game, and, yeah. and that was my thing. No, that's fair. I mean, I um, I actually spoke with Motu Tony earlier, and you may be able to verify this because C.S. Oliola is still playing. Motu said when he was playing with um, C.S. Oliola back in the day, he's the most relaxed dude. Uh, like in the in the sheds before the game but as soon as he crosses that white line it's white line fever and hardcore ready to go like a totally different side of things can you verify that that's like exactly how he is you know laughs and jokes right up until they walk onto the pitch that's that's pretty much it he is one of the most nicest guys relaxed uh do anything for anyone type guys yep but you cross that line and you got an opposition jumper, he's coming for you. So he's, um, yeah, he's a he's a he's a wonderful leader down here for us. And um, unfortunately, you know, he's going to be out for the, you know, I don't know, possibly the the season. But um, um, he's certainly the the spiritual leader down here, both uh, on and off the field. For sure, for sure. Um, now talking about some more of your career sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> Who was the toughest team for you to go up against physically and mentally during your playing time? Oh, definitely that 06 Broncos side. Um, are you talking like a forward pack of um, Petro, Webke, Thorn, Tony Carroll, Thorn, Carlaw? Um, yeah, I remember in that, that grand final looking up at and thinking, where do you run here? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, honestly, either way, you're going to run into a wall. You've got you've got big aggressive athletes that are coming after you. Where do you go? Yeah. Um, so they would they were definitely when you're um, trying to tackle them. Who do I tackle? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember actually um, my first NRL um, trial game before I made my debut was yep. a, a trial against uh, the Broncos, uh-huh. um, and I remember making a tackle uh, on Petro and, and going, "Wow!" Like how big is this man like and, and it's yeah. someone I'd always looked up to and um, yeah it was just yeah it was a wonderful experience one of those things that that, that yeah just stuck in my mind about you know playing against him was just always a a, um, a great honour yeah for sure um, and speaking of who was your idol in the NRL when you were growing up and if you had a few who were the few yeah I grew up um not far out of Canberra, so I always was always Jindabyne um, or was followed. it Cooma? As far as I was trying to research and stuff, a little town in between Cooma and Jindabyne called Berrida. Okay. I probably spent most of my time in Jindabyne, but I went to school and played football for Cooma. But yep. so it's in the in um, yeah the, the Canberra sort of yep. region. Yep. So I grew up yeah, following the Jindy, yeah, yeah, a good little Cooma little part of the world. Is the best pie shop I've ever been to in Australia. <laughs> oh. There's a great one at Jindabyne too. Oh, there is. Yes, yeah, oh. yeah, Sundance Bakery. So, okay, I'll be yeah, sure to if you ever up that way. Yeah. Um, but so I always grew up on that um, glory days of the, the, the Green Machine. Oh, for sure. Um, but I, I, I love Paul Harrigan. I, you know, oh, as chief. he, you know, growing up, the chief and, and yeah, to be fair, probably modeled, tried to model um, some of my game off, off him. Um, yeah. So he was always a, one of my favorites. No, that's fair. Um, I'm just double checking my list here. Idol, now you're currently the assistant coach and or on-field trainer for the Raiders. Uh, what was that like making the transition from um, retirement and going from retirement into uh, more or less full-time role with the Raiders? 
Yeah, it was a, a, a learning learning curve. It's a lot different being a, um, a player to a, a coach. Uh, a lot more hours. You just want to be like, you're at the game and you want to be like, I just want to get on there and do what, I'm, you know, I just want to get on there and do it sort of thing. To Mate, I, I really struggled early on, uh, especially game days is not being able to go out. And mm. That's a, you know, I used to love game days, the whole build up, the before the game. Um, you know, it's probably when I was at my most comfortable, um, you know, within myself. And I, I love that feeling. Um, so missing that, um, used to miss that, you know, a lot. But, um, yeah, a lot different being a, a coach now and um, you, you're constantly learning. It's, it's um, certainly a different, um, different to being a player, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm so grateful to still be involved in in rugby league at this level, um, and have been able to go straight from a from a player straight into a coaching role. Yeah, now that's fair. Um, and speaking of the NRL and yourself, Sticky, the lads, how have you guys handled the a um, new rulings in you know six again, one ref again, all that sort of jazz? But also, how did you guys handle the COVID break as well? Yeah, the, the COVID one was, was, was difficult. It's um, yeah, it's unknown. I think it was the same for yeah everyone in in no matter what you do, whatever industry you're in, um, to to handle all that. So we were no different to anyone else. We we're constantly having meetings about you know um, what do we do and new ideas and trying to be creative and trying to make sure yeah players' welfare's looked after, their fitness is looked after. Um, to the to the credit to the boys, they come back in great shape. They looked after each other. So it was really challenging and, um, again, one of those things that you, you you take so much out of it looking back as you are learning from it um, and, you know, probably going into the the new rules of, um, you know, I think we're all still trying to work it all out. Mm. It's, um, yeah, we, I know early on we all, everyone thought that, you know, um, in around the ruck would be the place to go, and these uh, running from dummy half would 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 um, um, would uh, be, would see a lot more of it. But yep. I, I think now teams are starting to tighten up in around that. So because they've um, caught on to the you know dummy half coming straight out of dummy half again now. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah you know, we're seeing a lot more uh, teams play with a lot more width um, off the off the dummy half, um, well, moving around a lot more. Yeah, I was going to say talking about going out the width again. Sorry, I, I do have to mention Matt's efforts last night. Three, I think, or four of his tries came straight out of dummy half, um, with Tedesco coming straight out of dummy half out wide, sort of thing, and caught them on the back foot. Sorry, continue. Yeah, well, that's it. That, that's a bit of width. Um, yeah, so it's. Um, I think we're all. It, it's all evolving. Um, well, no one sort of, you know, teams are benefiting from the different rule changes, but I think the benefits will, will still go on for a while and there'll still be more, um, you know, it, it'll still evolve as yeah. we go. No, that's that's honestly fair enough. Um, last few questions. Uh, what, are you, what are your personal top three career highlights? Uh, yeah. The grand finals, um, I'm guessing, <laughs> would be one. The grand finals, uh, um, the obviously the, the rep, the rep jumpers, yeah, the wins, the rep jumpers, um, yeah, probably lesser known as playing for Ireland. Um, I was going to say, yeah, let's talk a bit about yeah. that. You did play for Australia, but the Ireland was that. Um, were you obviously you weren't born in Ireland, but like, uh, is your parents Irish or your grandparents? And what was it like for you to pull on the Irish colours? Yeah, so my grandfather was um, coming out uh, in the 50s. He was a, mm-hmm. uh, from Ireland, coming out for the snowy scheme actually up at, near Jindabyne. That's, oh, yep. Um, yep, I know what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, coming out. 
come out there and uh, he was always a, a very proud Irishman um, and he was probably uh, more of a father figure to me. I, I grew up um, you know, spending most of my time with him and adoring him and uh, you know, he was my greatest supporter and, and so that opportunity to, to play in his honour was uh, was pretty big for me. Cause that would have been a lot he, more um, emotional, I think, for you than to play for Australia. Would you agree sort of thing? Well, yeah. The Australian one was an honour, but when you have a personal, you know, like mm. when you have one of your biggest mentors in your life and someone who's um, so special to you and you, you do it for them, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a, a wonderful thing. And, yeah, we had such a great time. It was probably near the back end of, it was near the back end of my career and it was probably when I was, I was doing it a bit tough, um, you know, to the back end that, um, you know, where I was going with my football career and it really, um, really sparked my love for football again. Um, I went over there and, you know, had a wonderful time um, mm. with with that group of guys. We, you know, I remember we played uh, we played against Ireland in, in Limerick in Ireland uh-huh. um, and we got beat, you know, something like 52 to 10 or uh-huh. something and, and, and come off the park and you would have thought we'd won the, the World Cup um, the way we, you know, everyone was just, you know, um, just to have a great time and celebrate, you know, what we were doing and, and um, the love of football and, and just having a good time. So and even though we'd lost, we uh, we made you'd, sure we certainly had a good time. In even typical, though you'd lost, you'd won on the inside, you know? Well, that's it, the typical Irish spirit, um, you know, make sure everything's a good time. And uh, we've certainly done that and, you know, I, um, yeah, I cherish that time. Honestly, that's so wonderful to hear. Um, last sort of topic I've got is, do you have any advice for any kids or teenagers, youngsters in general, who are hoping to make it in the big first grade one day? Work hard. That's the, there's no there's no secret. Um, yep. Yeah, that there's a lot of guys that have got talent, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, at some stage, they they got to work it out too. That um, unless you work hard. You, you don't get to your your, um, your greatest achievements. You don't get to the you know, where your potential um, lies. You don't yeah. find that out until you you learn to work hard. And um, yeah, I know it's it's probably sounds a bit cliche or anything, but it's certainly the the recipe for success. And, and well, um, yeah, yeah that, that's it's as simple as that. Well, I mean, you're spot on because almost every single um, person that I've interviewed for the podcast has said hard work. Um, some of some of them maybe you know trust yourself, back yourself, but they've always also said you know hard work because the old saying hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. You don't, you know, obviously you don't, you don't um, fulfill your successes without it. You mm. know, like, like Jonathan you, Thurston and Cam Smith and all them are perfect examples of talent and hard work. You know. Yeah, when when you combine them, that's what you get. You get blokes like those, and yeah, I know, I know. It, um, Cam's like I spent a lot of time playing with him. That yeah, you know, he was one of the hardest workers as a player. So um, that's why he's achieved what he's achieved. Yeah, his talents help him, but um, yeah, his mentality and hard work, um, yeah, allow him to reach those heights. Thank you very much for joining us, and I will talk to you again at some point. Great, thanks for having me on. No worries, mate.